Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Keys 107, opening the doors to endless possibilities in the pursuit of love, peace, and happiness with your host, Rafika and Brother James. Welcome to another edition, another episode of the Keys 107 Network. We are live here tonight, and we are so excited to bring the entertainment key to you to open doors to endless possibilities in the pursuit of love, peace, and happiness. I am Rafika, your host. My co-host, Brother James, is going to be back online. He's got some little technical difficulty, and you know, as we always say, (laughs) sometimes when we do these shows live, you just never know what to expect with technology, but we never let that rattle us one bit. We have such a unique guest tonight uh, who's going to join us and tell tell you all his uh, about his story. We coined this show, we named the show tonight, The Struggles and Triumphs of a Hip-Hop Artist, because a lot of times when we see the fame and the glitz and the success of a hip-hop artist, Many times we don't know how long it took them or what they had to go through to get to the point where we meet them. So our guest Solo Dolo is on the line with us, and we're going to jump to Solo right after the healthy tip of the day. And by the way, I am Rafika, your co-host. Medea Allen The Organic Soul Chef is up next, so hang on with us, and we're going to get everything together, make sure everybody's going to check in to know that their their mic is live. Now, 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 back to the keys. 107 The Healthy Tip of the Day is to add variety to all that you do. While consistency is important, doing the same exercise, eating the same food, doing the same meditation, and even doing the same work every single day can cause boredom and stagnation in your energy flow. Choose one small thing in your life that you haven't changed in a very long time and boldly change it. Introducing variety in our lives through bold change increases creativity, allows for flexibility, and adds back the wonderful element of surprise. Today's healthy tip has been brought to you by Organic Soul Chef Medea Allen. To learn more about my services, visit OrganicSoulChef.com. Now, 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 back to the keys. 107 with your host, Rafika and Brother Jay. Up 
Alphabet is available on Amazon.com and on Kindle. So get your copy today. For more information, visit them online www.thefluffffamily.com. And as always, our shows on on the Keys 107 are brought to you by my favorite cloud people, the Fluffs. The Fluffs present the alphabet available on Amazon. I am just so proud of the fluffs. And, you know, I was thinking earlier today that no matter how hard times get, no matter what you go through, there's always a way to get out of it. There's always a way to bounce back and to give yourself a positive vibration. And we have here, Brother James is here. Oh, my goodness. Brother James, your mic is live. Check in. Well, absolutely glad to be here, and uh, I believe today we're going to get an opportunity to explore this entertainment key with our very special guest, and he will give us an understanding, the backdrop to what it is to to get into the music industry and the trials and tribulations that life sometimes mirrors art, or is it that art mirrors life? But we're going to find mm. out as we delve into this conversation, and I want to know, Solo Dolo, are you on the line right now? Yeah, how you doing, Brother James? Sister um, how y'all doing tonight? We good. We are good. We are good. We're how good. you doing <laughs> is the question. Oh, I'm blessed. I'm blessed and highly favored. That's good. That's good, brother. So I think we want to start this conversation um, just, you know, so we can get a backdrop on you. Tell us a little bit about what you was doing and who you were before music entered your life, before music became your passion. Tell us what, what that was like and what drove you to get involved with music. Well, um, when I was coming up, you know, I was a sports dude, you know, and a football and basketball star and, you know, had problems at home and I ended up in the streets and became a dope boy. Way, but you know, way before the music, before the art, way before any of that, and um, you know, that was the thing. That was, was you know, like kids do their thing now. Uh, like nowadays, that was our thing back then. You know, everybody wanted to be the man, the biggest drug mm. dealer. Everybody wanted to be Pablo. Mm. So, this is in in Atlanta, in Georgia, in particular. Is it Atlanta that that um, this activity, of your upbringing, was um, from? Oh, I'm sorry, uh, Flint, Michigan. You know, I was oh, born in Chicago. Flint. Yes, yeah, yes, Flint, yes. Michigan. You know, so okay, okay. We heard a lot about. So Flint you're these from last Flint. Couple of months. <laughs> yeah, I'm from Flint. So it must be um, really nerve-wracking for you to be uh, to know what's going on in terms of the water being poisoned in, in Flint. All right, see, that's the thing, you know, it, it, it took some water. You know, Flint has been poisoned for the last 20 years, mm. you know, from politics to the water to the environment. You know, when GM left, they really left with a mission, just like left Flint as a ghost town. GM been mm. gone for like 20 years. So after GM left, it was nothing left, you know, nothing. So they just... 
oh, the water, quote unquote, is more than the water. You know, and I, you know, shout out to Flint, you know, Northside, all day. Beautiful, beautiful. So let me ask you: You spent most of your young um, teenage life in Flint, or was it that you spent a good majority of your life there? I spent most of my teenage life, you know, and um, in my mid twenties, you know, in in Flint, you know. So, and uh, you know, um, it was just a rough place. Like I say, I mean, if you've never been there. I mean, I, I think Flint like one of the worstest places on the planet, you know. And mm. I think it's been said in magazines, Time magazine, and all that stuff. It, but it, for us, it was home. That's all we knew. It's a hard place to get out of. You know, it's a, mm. still a lot of my friends, family, still there. You know. You know that was mm. home. GM was home to us. You know, the automotive industry. That's what we were. And that's what we mm. are. You know, and I don't agree with Donald Trump, but, you know, hey, bringing them jobs back to America will sure help the economy. Mm. Well, yeah, when you when you take the heart of the community um, away from in terms of how they eat, you will see that folks are going to find a way to make things happen, and you got caught up in that. Um, how did you survive it? How did you, How did you make your move out of the streets and out of the game? And, and move closer to doing what you're doing in terms of music. You know, I kind of seen the decline. Like even even for the local dope boy, you know, we wasn't getting money like that no more. You know, and you know everybody that was buying the products worked in the shop. Shop gone, money gone. You know, and you had a few local cats that was blowing up in music. You know, and I just happened to know everybody. You know, and and every side of town. And I met some cats that was doing something a little bit different than I was used to, and they was rapping. You know, they they was they was really rapping. They was putting on their shows on their own, getting out here, really believing that dream. I wasn't really never thought about being a rapper, doing music or nothing, but I was looking for a way out. You know, my I messed up in school, going to college. I messed up in school, and truth and and wasn't able to go back to Michigan State, so I just well, you, I'm floating. Hmm. Now, when you was in school, were you going um, on an athletic scholarship, or you was just trying to hit the books and try to make something happen for you? I was an athletic. I was always smart, too, so it was a plus-plus, but I had kids when I was young. Mm-hmm. And I, was, I thought I was in love and, you know, and all that stuff. And my parents used to try to tell me. You know, I understand now. You know, try to tell me, you know, things you shouldn't be doing and that's in your career. But I was just too far gone. When they started to get straight, I was already gone. I was already a product of the streets. So I wasn't trying to hear none of that stuff. I was just being honest. Well, being honest is good because I think, you know, I could relate. You know, I personally could relate to that as well. You know, but... I know that uh, sometimes we think it's luck, but it's really destiny for us to travel a certain path. While you was in that, did you see a, a light, you know, saying that there's some light at the end of the tunnel? Did you have a plan? You know, uh, just what was going on with you? I've always been like a faith-driven dude. Like, I've seen things most people can't see. You know, even even when you're doing wrong, I, I can see I'm not going to jump off the cliff. 
you know what I'm saying, because there ain't no parachute. Mm. You know, I walk up to the cliff and look down, you know, but I'm not jumping off with the rest of you guys. You know, <laughs> it had to be something better, you know what I mean? It had that's to be right. something better. And, and that, that's how my life always been. I used to, you know, a long time ago, I, used to always, I get in trouble school, anything, I, you know, I was like, you know, because I never knew my biological father, but my stepfather raised me, and I used to always say to myself, that must have been my daddy's doing, my biological daddy's doing to get me out of trouble, get me out of harm's way, but what I was mm. really saying, I didn't understand then, it was God, creator, he was always there watching me because he had something set for my life, you know, so, hey, I'm mm. It's all right. Talked about, talk so if it. I can, if I can just uh, jump in for a moment and let the listeners who are tuned in via the internet know that if they want to call in and talk to Solo, he's here for you. Call us at two one three nine four three three six one eight two one three nine four three three six one eight, and you can tune in via Skype. The Skype button is live on www.blogtalkradio.com slash the keys 107. Okay. Well, I think um, I want to know now um, the transitional period as you began to, uh, you, you, did, you started music in Flint, but when did it begin popping? What, what, what happened? What was the movement like in terms of your music career? Uh, like I was saying, I met these guys. Just a group of regular guys. They weren't no dope boys, you know. They were just rapping about what they see in the neighborhood. And I went to a few shows. I watched them. And I was like, man, these dudes really doing something different. Because what I'm used to is hanging out on the block, kicking it, making money. These dudes out here rapping ain't making no money. Mm. I went to a couple of their meetings, you know, hung out with them. Said, man, maybe I want to try this. But mind you, I never rapped through. <laughs> thought about rapping or thought about producing or anything. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the guys accepted me. And, I, you know, I like, went to a few more shows. And, and before I knew it, I was in the group. And, you know, we started rocking, started rocking. We had deals on the table. It was me, Moon, Quincy, Black Tony. It's four of us. We had a unique sound. Everybody was different. But we all had the same, like, struggles. So... You know, in some type of way, either or, you know, whether you was in the streets or you had baby mama drama or, you know, you had your parents. And it just was a bad time then, you know. And we was, mm-hmm. you know, we I was real, so Q was real. Tony and Moon, who started the whole thing, they was more like just reporters of the hood. We was actually living that, you know, what they was talking about. And bringing us to the group kind of added that, that realness, you know, that street cred. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. And um and um started doing it with them guys. The first EP we done. Oh, I'm sorry, the group is called Cold Blue. Y'all can check Cold it out Blue? on um Cold Blue. That's C O L D B L U. Y'all can check out some of my early music on YouTube. Okay, um, we will. And um, you know, the first little E P we did, we got a deal from back in the day it was Revitility with you know, they wanted to sign us. And, you know, mm-hmm. we didn't know nothing. We young boys. I ain't, I ain't hurt for no bread and nothing like that. I'm I'm doing what I do. So, you know, I, it, it's all fun and me or something different. And I'm like, we can go and just sign with them. I don't even care. 
But mother, mm. other members in the group was like, no, nah, we can do this thing independently. I'm like, okay, here we go, you know, here we go. We're going to take this money, use it as a platform to get to the next thing because really, like I said, I wasn't hurting for the bread or anything like that because I had bread. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I just wanted to see what, what the other side was like being famous. We turned down the deal. <clears throat> I'll never forget it. I met downtown at the Hyatt Hotel, and the guy that was trying to get us to sign with uh, Revitility, he uh, gave us a week to make our decision, <laughs> you know. <laughs> that was that was weird to me, you know, just sign the paper, no attorneys. I didn't care, you know. But they, the, the other members in the group cared, you know. So we, we all decided collectively, you know, we're not going to do it. He went on, signed some other groups, you know, and – they flopped, but the label always wanted us. And the man that was helping us out and, and putting the money up, he ended up going to federal penitentiary. So it was one of them tales. You know, I, I was like, wow, oh, that was the first opportunity. That's why I said I've always been blessed because mm-hmm. it was an opportunity. Mm-hmm. You so, know, let me ask you, at that point, did you tra- have to travel to actually sit down and talk with the record label? Did they come to you, or was it something locally? Um, they came, they came to us. Mm-hmm. They came to us. That's mm-hmm. how we. That's how hot we was. They came to us. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was like, <laughs> "Yo, let, let's roll with these dudes." You know, and they was like, "Man, we can just do it independent. We can make all the money." No, we can't, cause don't none, nobody know nothing about that type of business. Let's right. learn. You know, let's, let's let's jump in head first. That was me. I was like, "Let's go." I was ready. Mm. <laughs> I was ready. So we kept on. When a year went by, you know, kept making a buzz, making a buzz. Well-known mm-hmm. in Flint, well-known in Detroit, well-known in Michigan. You know, we started, you know, popping. Labels still coming at us. We still, like, we're going to do this, like I said, and then our mans went to federal penitentiary, and, and the bottom dropped out of everything. Right, So, right. you know, when, when, I, when I look, money is gone. You know, this, you know, this getting everything for those who wasn't out in the street in the group. You know, we, you know, the group had a lot of division. You know, and it just it went from having fun to a headache. You know, that happened. Went from, <laughs> to a headache, I wasn't expecting honestly. you to say that. <laughs> yeah, it was a headache. It became what a headache. What was the headache? You know, oh, man, who's this? You know, they felt like. Uh, you know, this is something they created, but, it, you know, by you being a real person, you know, things happen. Mm-hmm. People started to gravitate to me and Q a little bit more because we was out there with the people. And y'all was in the house doing whatever y'all doing with y'all baby mamas. And they like Tony and went to jail and for a domestic dispute, fighting his girl. We come to find out he addicted to drugs. I'm like, man. You know, it was just a headache. It became a headache. So me and Q decided we were going to go off and do our own thing. But we never really quite did our album anything. We just became, we just kept the street thing going. Because we was making money. You know? Mm. Rap was not, you know, back. everybody want to be a rapper now. So let's go back just a little bit. When did you realize right. that you could rap? I mean, because you seem like you jumped right into it. But was you sort of testing the waters before then? No, no. I so just you just in. started rapping. <laughs> I just started rapping. Okay. 
Well, sometimes so it, who, who's talking? <laughs> I'm sorry. I was going to say sometimes it's organic. It just happens. You know what I mean? You, okay. you get in that right situation, you feel that beat, and you open up your mouth and you bless the track. That's probably how no. it happened Bruh. for you, right? No, maybe for uh, him, but I tr- I've tried that solo. It did work. <laughs> I, I, all I know is I ain't never been in no studio. I ain't never wrote nothing. I never even picked up a pen. Think about rap. When in the studio, nothing written down, and I just delivered it, and it was uncanny. It was like a gift, a gift, you know, and then they was just blown away by it. My my vocal tone alone was the reason why we even had a deal. You know, it it, it's, it was amazing because I got a certain tone. You know, all right. great rappers have certain tones, like Biggie, Pop. Mm-hmm. You know, anybody that's really hitting, they just different. They got a certain sound. You just know that's them when they come on. And that's how I was. Mm. You know? Now, once you learned that you had a gift, what was the 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 the, uh, the next step in terms of your development? What were you trying to accomplish at that point? You know, once you knew that this uh-huh. was a natural fit for you. I was back to the block. I kept <laughs> telling you, you know, I was back to the block. I'll be honest with you, brother Jay. I was back to the block. <laughs> I didn't care. I didn't didn't care. Didn't care. Didn't care. And then somebody came and talked to me. It was like, bro. You got a real talent. You need to do this rap thing. I'm like, man, I'm over here getting this money. When I say we was getting money, we was getting money. We was getting money like these cats be talking about. You see movies and see things. We was getting money like that. You know, so it just didn't, you know, after the, the headache, I just got an enthused. But, mm-hmm. you know, God got a funny way of leading me back to music always. Mm-hmm. I met mm-hmm. this girl. She could rap. And um, pretty, pretty thing. That was space there. Probably would have been my wife, the one that uh, a butthole, you know. So that's another story. Um, <laughs> when I met her, <laughs> when I met her, I, met, I went out here to this guy. It was the biggest older dude. He did Babyface records. He did, he did tons of old school artist records, and he was just. And that's when Flynn was booming with the music. Like, everything was plentiful. Music started to take over when GM left. And I met right. her, and, you know, and I just wanted to impress her. So I'm like, man, I, you know, I rap too, you know. Mm-hmm. Play some of the music. But the the producer out there heard it that she was dealing with, you know. And this dude had me sitting in the studio. This is no lie. Two years, writing, never rap. I'm not never getting on the mic. By myself. With her. Mm-hmm. You know, and we, had, you know, when he finally let me go, I man, I just went in. I went in so hard. I don't know if you guys remember the Dayton family back in the day, and they had this song called FBI, and, and they were doing their thing. And you know, Russell Simmons was really high on them. It was real, real big mm-hmm. back then. And them was my guys, neighborhood guys. You know, okay. and, um, <laughs> the first time I get to rap in in, in my man's studio is on a feature. You know, I just happened to be there. One of those guys was there. He was like, man, don't jump on this verse. Put me on the verse. Mm. Bruh, why the, why the source say I'm not, you know, told me I outshined him on his own album. Now they do the write-ups back in the day. 
yeah. outshine him on his own album. He the hottest thing coming out of Flint. Now, now Cliff back calling me, just me, not the group, me. You know what I'm mm. saying? So I'm always going to do this deal, do this deal, do this deal. But I just couldn't leave them streets alone. Mm. Man, I wish I would have left the streets alone and just flew on out to New York. And I was about to. And, oh boy, I, if I'd have just went to New York, I'd have never got shot. Mm. Now, talk about you that know? because there's always an activity or event that takes place in our lives that is a turning mm-hmm. point. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. lessons are learned, you know, uh, sometimes they're not. So talk to us about what took place, how you how you handle that at, at that situation. Well, I was one foot in the block, one foot in and rap at this point, you know, and I just couldn't leave the block alone. I, I just couldn't stop doing what I was doing. I couldn't stop. And everybody like, yo, bro, you got a talent. You finna blow a little. I ride through the hood, and everybody like, yo, read this magazine. You in the magazine, boom, boom, boom. Along with Trick Daddy on the cover at the time. You in the mm-hmm. magazine, you doing this, you doing that. And, you know, like I said, the label's calling me directly. I'm feeling like the kingpin, but when he calling me, I'm up in the house cooking. Whip it at work. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. you ready for this solo? I need you out here in New York. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, I'm going to be out there. Never made the flight. Stayed back on some humbug stuff. One night I'm coming out of an apartment. I remember it like it was yesterday. Dudes didn't even say it. Stick them up. They started shooting. Shot me like five times in my legs. And my legs just went completely numb. Couldn't walk. You know? Then I'm laying on the ground and two of them. One of them got to be about 17. The other one got to be about 19. Like, we don't kill you. Where the money at? Where the, where the work at? And I'm like, nah, bruh. I ain't got no work here. Yes, you do. No, you the man. I had like $700 in my pocket, in my little, the fifth pocket. And I took it out and I threw it up in the air and they got to reaching for it. And somewhere I crawled over the gate. But by the time I got to the opposite side, by crawling to the uh, over the gate, they was right back in front of me. And the little dude was like, let him go, man. Ain't that serious? And oh man, the other dude was like, I'm finna kill this nigga, I'm finna kill this nigga. And I fell, I was up against the apartment, I happened to be up against the window, and I felt it, and I just fell backwards and busted the window. Shot me like five more times, and the lady, the, the apartment I fell in, she pulled me to the side, and I promised to God, not even two minutes after she pulled me to, to the side, the ambulance was there, the police was there, the Vice was there, the adventure the, the boy, the kicking the dough boys, everybody was there. Now, I just, in two minutes, it could have been two minutes. I remember it like it was yesterday. And he took me on a stretcher, and I'm going into the ambulance, and the whole street is just full of people. I'm like, where was everybody at when I was getting shot? Yeah. You know, just like in a 10-minute span, I'm like, where is everybody? You know, I see everybody. I, you know, I don't even realize that I'm just bad as I was. Mm. You know, I'm sticking up. I'm asking the man, am I all right? He was like, bro, just be cool. Be cool. Just be cool. Put me to the hospital, man. I got shot 10 times. I guess because they shot me so close, everything went through. Mm-hmm. Threw me with the four or five, the caliber gun they shot me with. Only thing really happened to me, I had a bullet lodged in my leg, and, and it hit one of my arteries. I mean, not arteries, but one of my veins. And, and ripped it in my leg, my left leg. 
couldn't walk, but it kind of paralyzed everything in both legs, you know, because I got shot in both legs. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to the hospital. They went through the little machine, and you know, the body machine and whatnot, and my dad was there, my mom was there, and there was about 300 people in the waiting room. They had to mm-hmm. make them leave because they didn't know who was who, if it was a hit or, you know, or just a basic robbery. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they, get, they put me on their fake name and moved me to a different hospital. So what was I mean, going through your um, mind? Because you, you was conscious when they shot you in your legs. You came out to this apartment. You didn't expect these these dudes to be there. And to It was a robbery, or was it some other reason, or was it just a robbery? And what was going through your mind? You realized you were shot. It was a robbery. It was a robbery. You know, that, that's about the time when, every, you know, everybody started hitting nails. And I, I guess that was, that's why I'm the dope boys, because they can't go tell. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Street is street. You, you're not going to tell. There's rules to the street. You know? You know? There's rules to the street. So I was just asking God, like, please don't let me die like this. Mm-hmm. You know? But you would and say that quick, res- the quick uh-huh. response... A quick response when the medical services and the police saved your life, or you know, what was you just had that uh, that will to survive, or a combination of everything there? What do you yeah, say to that? The, cre- the creator side saved my life. I would never get man, no, <laughs> n- not not for that. You know, it was all God. That was all God. You know, I know it for a fact. It was all God. You know, because mm-hmm. I will be dead. I know people that got shot one time in the arm and said, you know? I mm-hmm. shot ten times all over my body with a big gun. Not a you little said gun. It was a big, with a 357, 357. No, 45. 45. 45. Mm-hmm. 45. Yeah. Well, brother, like I was going to say, you know, you are you are 100% right, you know, it is not about man. It's about what God wills to make happen. He, it's at mm-hmm. either his active will or his permissive will. He permitted them to go ahead and shoot you, but it was his active will that saved you and, he- and held you on, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, allow you to live. So you actually, like many of us, uh, are living on in God's time now because our time for doing what we want to do is over. You know, mm-hmm. we... we we, we 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 that chapter ended when he saved your life. And if you feel that same way, talk to me about that. Absolutely, absolutely. You said what did the transition happen? That's when the transition happened. My, my the dude that uh, the label head that was getting me the deal flew me to Miami. Because remember, I was getting a deal at the same time I was getting shot. And when they found out, I couldn't walk. One of the A and R stayed. He just kept me with him, you know, from over there, Revitality. He kept me with him for four years. Couldn't walk mm-hmm. at all. I was taking medications. They had me on all the medications, and I had addicted to the, the take popping them pills for pain. I had holes in me the size of golf balls, you know. Mm-hmm. And you could see straight through it. Like it, it was crazy, you know. And I just got went into depression. And the pills was the only thing. I slept all day. He got me up and was like, bro, you're too talented. You're too talented. You're too talented. 
you're going to get through this. And I said, man, I ain't going to never walk again. He said, you're going to walk again. And I just, you know, as being in Miami, seeing something different and just healing without, I don't know, physical therapy, a lot of pray, meditation. And the third year, I just started really working out, really working out, working my legs out. And by the fifth year, I was dunking the basketball again, and that's the testimony of God to God. To mm. I didn't even believe he did that. I was dunking the basketball again. So, you know, mm. my legs still, my, my foot is numb, you know. But you know, what I went through, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nerd come in and out. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know the older I get, you know, but I'm still able to do the things I could do when I was young. Mm. Well, let me just add to this, you know, uh, from uh, personal experiences that um, I think we shared in a brief moment. Uh, I come from three three generations of of men who my father was shot point blank range in the head. I was shot point blank range, but hit me in the arm. And uh, my son was shot point blank range and both of his legs um, with, with a 357, both my father and I were 38, and to uh, be able to survive these physical trauma, I will say that those wounds heal up far easier easier than the emotional impact that it has not only on you, the person who received the, the bullets, but those who are around you, those who care about you, and those who love you. How did you handle that? What was that experience like for you? I, I, honestly, Brother James, I, I never said I handled it. You know, mm. I never, I never said I handled it. Mm. Mm. So that's kind of a question I can't really answer at this time because I still wake up in cold sweat. I don't sleep, you know, and. <laughs> And, mm-hmm. you know, I refuse to go to the psychologist because I feel like we're, you know, vent with somebody. I feel like, what what can they tell me? They ain't never lived my life, you know? You know, you can boo-hoo and cry-cry, you know, it happens. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, you know. That's the truth. So that's the, part, the, that's the part of when the media or the streets talk about that kind of attack that kind of violence um, imposed on human being, that's not the after effect. Like, how do you pull yourself up from that? How do you function? How do you go on with your day, with your life? If you have children, if you have a wife, and you're dealing with this inner struggle that nobody can understand because no one can get into your mind. I mean, God. I mean, it all goes back to the creator, like, you know, people don't understand the power of God. God saved my life many a time. Trust me. I know. And he saved me from getting in trouble millions of times. I know. It's God. And I, I trust God to the point where if, if I'm sitting here praying and God told me to go and take a 30, 60, 90 day, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, uh, boat across the sea. I don't know where I'm going. I'm going to go. Because I believe in the creator like that. 
I believe in Jesus like that. You know, I believe everything. I know where the world is at right now. You know, I, I know what's going on. It's biblical. And, that, you know, most people can't see past their own egos. Mm. You know, and I'm not one of them people, one of them, one of them persons. <laughs> I'm not one of those guys. You know, I, I've been through a lot. Where did your faith come from? How did you acquire such strong conviction and faith? I, I, I think I kind of told you, Brother James. I, I used to, whenever I got in trouble or anything bad happened, he said my father gets me out, thinking that's my biological father is doing it. But really, without knowing, subconsciously, just, just saying, you know, my father, but I'm talking about God. Mm-hmm. That's when, at a young age, without I'm telling you, like I can't explain it. Might sound crazy to you, but it was something that told me it was somebody with me through my childhood, the rough things I've been through, my adolescence, my my young adulthood until even now. Mm-hmm. You know, and, that, and it's, it's in my faith as I, I've gotten older, I study more. So my faith is even stronger, and I start to understand things from my past a little bit better than I did when I was young. So that was part of your part of your healing, right there. Yeah. That, uh, listen, you know, I was going to say you have a story to tell, and um, through your music, you know, you could. Um, reach back at young people who are out there right now um, who, who are going to either be the victim of, of, of gun violence or they may be the ones, you know, victimizing somebody with gun violence because it's out there. And um, you could speak to their hearts since you have been there. You have been, been to the, the brink of death and back. You've been to that door. I think that you have a special purpose in life. If God saved you to do something, it may be to reach back and talk to these young brothers that are out there doing what they're doing and not realizing that every life is precious, you know, and all of us deserve to be able to live long enough to fulfill our potential. Are you starting to move in that in that direction in terms of your lyrics and what you actually are writing while you're in the lab? Absolutely, I've always been that dude. You know, mm-hmm. but when we start talking about young people, young brothers, let's just, just you know, not to isolate nobody, but young brothers, mm-hmm. young black men. You know, each individual has some type of purpose, but everybody doesn't have favor. You understand what I'm saying, brother James? Mm-hmm. You know, and us as black, us black men, right? You know, me, you, every every other black man is an elder. You know, we dropped the ball a long time ago with these motherfuckers. You know, you know the fatherless home. uh, Where my daddy at? Mm -hmm. You know, and 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 I see it so much. It hurts. Mm. It hurts because it's not going to get any better. We're, mm. we're, we're not changing anything. I'm just being realistic, and this is my opinion. 
Everybody mm-hmm. has their own opinion. This is my opinion. Not to mm-hmm. offend any individual. You know, it's not getting any better. It's getting worse. Women are raising men. So we have a whole bunch of androgynous men walking around. They don't know whether mm-hmm. they're females or males. You know, they they quit the temper, you know, and men don't do that. When I, when I came up, men didn't quit the temper. You know, they delegate. You know, men don't cry as much as they do now. You know, it's good to be in touch with your emotions and, and feel free. But it, nowadays, I've seen cats just be just, I'd be like, dude, why is you crying? You might don't be tearing up, but you're crying. Grown men, 23, 24, 25, 17, 18, 19. You know, no discipline with them. You know, they give up on their, the only dream they got is to be a rapper or rob somebody. Play ball. Well, well let me say this. It's pathetic, man. I think you hit it on the head. And one of the things that is so critical uh, in our community is that we are a community of people who are mostly fatherless. And I say that because this morning when we woke up, over 40% of, of, of America woke up without a father in its home. Even worse when it comes specifically into the black community, where we don't realize the absence of father, the psychological and the emotional and the mental damage it does because we are not inserted in the family. We are not present in the lives of our children. So I know uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. I want you to talk to us about fatherhood, you know, uh, what this specific situation took place in your life, how you move past it. As you say, you're still moving on, but you're not past it. But now what does it mean for you to be a father and to be in the lives of your children? So when we come right back from a quick break, um, we want to we want to jump on that particular conversation. All right. The Keys 107 will be right back. Presents the alphabet is available on Amazon.com and on Kindle. So get your copy today. For more information, visit them online www.thefluffamily.com. artist, reality TV star, Solo. And we're going to go into a conversation about fatherhood. But before we get there and before time runs out, I just got to ask you, how did you come about the name Solo Dolo? Everybody got shot. I'm, I'm, I'm not rocking with nobody. I'm by myself. Leave it alone. I ain't dealing with folks no more. And I just decided to whole solo and I just felt like it fit. Mm. <laughs> solo dolo it is. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
So we were getting ready to talk about fatherhood, and um, James brought up some alarming statistics of families that are without a father. And in our our pre-show conversation, you mentioned to us that you come from a family of marriage, um, your parents and your aunts and uncles. So you said that marriage is just a natural part of what you would do. Um, and you are married. I think the world knows that you're married by now. <laughs> they should. Yes. And um, <laughs> just talk a little bit about those statistics and what is the impact of being a father to you and how that has ha- helped to anchor your life in, you know, in, in, in addition to or alongside your faith in God. I mean, like I said, I, I had kids. I had my first son when I was 12 years old. Real, real. My daughter at 13, my other son at 14. I had three kids by the time I was 14 years old. And that's a true tale. And and, and by that being a true tale, I never had a father, so I kind of grew up with them. I didn't kind of, I did. And I was with them the whole time, I'm with them now. And it hasn't anything changed, you know. And I raise men. I, you know, I'm the type of sit down and play the game with you, and then tell you like this, you know, we will play for push-ups. That's the boys, you know. And I and I just mm-hmm. raise them as men, you know, not just playing the game. We are gonna play it for a reason, you know. I like the game so much. Let's do this. Let's do some push-ups. Let's do some activity. And everybody think they're the best, and everybody think they is. But dad would always get them, you know. Been around a couple more corners than you, young fella. So, you know, I'm maneuvering, playing chess with y'all. You know, fooling you into being a man. You know, discipline is discipline, but not to whoop your kids and all that. You got to figure out ways to get into your kids' lives. And back to what Brother James said about this whole thing of fatherless homes. And <laughs> Come on, bro. It, it, this has been going on since the 70s, right? early, late 60s, you know. And, and it, it's like at this point, it ain't even a cycle anymore. It's normal. That's how these kids look at it. And the black woman hasn't made it, you know, easy on us right now. I'm pretty sure there's millions of men that want to do the right thing, you know, because there is men out there that want to do the right thing. It's just what they choose. They choose the same dudes. They choose the same caliber dude, and that's what they go for. So you know that dude ain't going to be there once he gets you pregnant. You done went through that already. That's why you got seven, eight different baby daddies because you keep choosing that instead of doing the right thing and choosing what's going to help you and, 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 and build with you. And, and these dudes out here, man, they, they just raised all, all the way kind of wrong. They ain't, they, not even the street. They don't even have no street codes no more. They just reckless mm. cowboys. Mm. Well, well, Dolo, Solo, listen to this. You only can teach somebody something that which you have already learned. If these young men that are coming up now are coming up and there's no man in their life to teach them what manhood is all about, then they can't step into the to the seat of being father and husband and do it in the best of manner because they just don't know. They didn't have that example for them. And so that, I think it's critical you know, I say this because you are raising young people right now, young men and, ch- and children particularly, right? And mm-hmm. in the game, you're, you're in the music game. 
We need to see more of that. That's a great example. See, so your children don't necessarily have to experience the trials that you had to undertake to become the man that you are today. And that's what we have to look at them young ones out in the street. It's just so many of them. They're trying to learn how to be a man, hanging out with one another, and they're lost. It's the blind leading the blind. You know what I mean? So I, I don't disagree with that. I, I really honestly don't disagree with that, Brother James. All I'm saying is you're right. <laughs> you know, I, I would never make I would never blame it on the young people. It's not their fault. It's our fault. Mm. It's our fault. I you know, I will take responsibility even though I've been there with my kids. You know, it takes a village to raise these kids. That's you know, right. As men, you know. Selfishly, you know, my, my sons and them friends would be like, Man, you got the coolest daddy in the world, your daddy and everything you do and always involved, you can't do nothing wrong. You know, and it's, it's, like I said, it's a million plus of us out here that's like that. But there's also 10 million that's not there. That's right. That's right. So the percentages and, are off. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I want to say this with the, in, in terms of this conversation. I haven't had a chance to say this, but how do you measure the sense of abandonment and betrayal that a child has when there's no daddy sitting at the table? You know, when it's time to go to the football game, there's no daddy at on the sidelines cheering them on. You know, when there's a father and son thing, mama got to take them. You know, how's a young girl, you know, know how to size up what a man should be if she doesn't have a father who talks to her at night and gives her encouragement and, and, and provides safety for her and security for her? You see what I'm saying? So... I know this is a culture we're living in, but those who have the power, and I say this, brother, is the rappers right now, the hip-hop community, because they reach out to children all over the planet, and people hang on those words and those lyrics. If they're able to change lyrics so it can actually impact the lives of these young men, maybe we'll see a different activity going on in the homes and in our communities. Maybe we can stop some of this, you know, this gun violence, this abuse that's going on in our, in our homes, because it's a serious thing. It's an epidemic, you know, and we need, we need warriors. We need soldiers. We need heroes, you know, and um, they come in the form no, of... No, I have to disagree. See, and I need to cut you off, James. I no, go ahead. with that. We don't need none of that. We need God, and they need God. Man, man gonna eventually do what man does. Mess up. That's what man does. Mm-hmm. There's no perfect man or woman on this planet. The only thing that's perfect that I know is the Creator. And and you may be right about that. And I'm gonna say this though: most of us would not know God unless. God, God made himself known through man. This is why we hear. And I, and I must agree as a vessel. You know? I must agree yeah. as a vessel. Mm-hmm. You know, preaching is kind of, you know, fontan sway, I say. Fontan sway. That's what preaching is to me. It's a person talking your head off something you don't want to hear. And, you know, involvement. Not talking, involvement. The, uh, you know, I was young. You were young. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, you know, we get so caught up into all oh, the system says we got to pay bills, we got to do this, we got to do that, we got to do this, and lose sight 
or that young brother over there might need some help. Oh, he on some bump stuff, so, you know, he probably going to rob and kill us. No, he probably just want to live. Mm. You don't know what's going on with this man at home. You don't mm. know what's going on with this woman. You don't, you don't know what's going on with him because we, as the, the ones that messed it all up for him, us, we scared to approach him, a lot of us. We scared to mm. kick it with him. Mm. We scared to, you know, dumb down a little bit. I ain't, I would never say to rappers, if we, we you know, it's a blind leading the blind again, if the rapper's going to do it. Because a lot of these dudes know the right way and, and still won't do it. They only going to go the way that's going to be able to take care of their family because that's all they're caring about. And who it hurts and what it destroys, it does not matter to them. As long as they eat. They probably never will, as long as they eat. And that's the last days in the Bible. You know, people are going to be more selfish. Brother against brother, sister against cousin, mother against son, son against father. It's all biblical and it's going on right now. And that's all everybody care about. So when it takes mm. love, a community, and the creator, that's the most important thing to me. I hear people come to me all day about money. Money, money, money. I tell them in a minute, I ain't got it. I ain't got it. Because I just gave my last $15 to this lady that needed a room at night with four kids. And she's staying in the extended stay. And I, I, I need gas, but I need gas. This is my last 15 I'm giving it to her. Because it's not, I'm not doing this for the money. Never have. I'm not, I, I, I know how to take care of my family. God going to be the provider. But people don't have that faith no more. Churches are wrong. Politicians are wrong. Who, who do we look out to? Who, man, man is just diseased in itself. So you got to look up. Because a lot of preachers do a lot of preaching. But nobody actually helps anymore. Nobody goes out there and really touches the community without trying to make a profit or somebody getting shot. Let me go stand out here. Oh, it's a movement. This, this is my time to shine. Let me go out here and I'll sharpen everybody. No disrespect mm. to that man. <laughs> you know? Come on. It's, it's going on. I, I, it's like I've never seen nothing like it. And never. Since I've been growing up. You had a couple families that was like that, but now it's every household in our community. We don't even well, love us no more. I love my black women. I love my brothers. I love to see them. Love them. Love them with my life. But it's well, sad when you go down there, you got to worry about your life. Well, I think um, you're, you hit a, a very important point when you talked about selfishness of people today we live in a cantankerous type of environment where people are really only concerned with themselves and trying to get a dollar you see young children just just wetless just have no direction and you ask them what do they well not all not all let's not go too far with this conversation because it's not all but there's a group it's a very important influential group coming up of young boys in particular who are being directed towards a lifestyle that may not be real. Like what happens in the, in the hip hop songs and the, the aura or the mystique of hip hop 
they don't know how to, to separate that and bring it home. Miss Sire, I'm going to be honest with you. You know, there's, there's, there's about 85% of young gentlemen, like you just said, in this world right now that's coming up. And they constantly put them out, and they're coming up. You know, it's not a small thing. It's an epidemic. Like crack was an epidemic. This is an epidemic. And unless we as men get a handle on it and, and start some like global dads of America and men start leading their communities, which are, which are our communities, black men, strong black men, because there's plenty of them out there, and willing to go in and interact with these guys and really get into these guys' lives, we in trouble. <laughs> Let me just say this, brother. Trouble. You are you are really talking to my heart because, um, you know, I am that guy that goes out in that streets. You know, uh, this coming weekend we have a uh, men's conference called Peace in the Streets, and we have workshops that are actually geared to informing and inspiring men of all ages to take on the responsibility of being sort of like their brother's keeper and stepping back out there in the streets and not just talking to the young folk out there, but listening. Because the truth of the matter is they have a lot to say, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, They got a lot to say because they've seen a lot in their young time, you know. We, We, you know, we are going to um, take a little time out. We're inviting them to workshops, and we're going to talk about the impact of racial disparity in the criminal justice system, you know, talking about the, the pipeline from, from school to prison, talking about the black family crisis, which we're talking about right now with the, the, the father being absent in the family. What, ha- what impact on that young fella? who's out there in the street, that young sister who's out in the street because dad is not there. You know, we're going to be talking about these things, man, because the truth of the matter is we can't heal or wait to be healed if if no one's addressing the issue. That's why it's become a problem because no one's been addressing the issue. And so it's time out for that. It's time for us to, to get in the streets, you know, get some peace in the streets. And if we can get peace in the streets with We'll get some peace in the, in the homes of our young people so they can be more productive because a lot of them are running scared out there. They, they're, they're, they're acting all tough, but they're really running scared out there, you know. So I, Brother, I, you don't know. Like I said, you really don't. Don't nobody know what goes on in each household in the ghetto. Mm-hmm. And you never know, bro. And, and, and I, I wouldn't say so much that they're scared. I would just say, man, just like me, nobody knew. Nobody knew. So, you know, and I, and I had nobody to talk to, like you said. It doesn't make you scared. It means something you just don't know. Everybody take pain and hurt different. Each individual is mm-hmm. created different. You, right. get, you get what I'm saying? You know how they be having them challenges in the world on the YouTubes, uh, the, the hot sauce challenge? You know, right. you need to have a... Am I your brother's keeper challenge? You mm. know, let's go to each neighborhood and let's keep these cats right here with us for a year. And, and, and a year later saying, I beat that person because that's a real challenge. You know, not no goofy stuff at all. No. You know, we, we do enough goofy stuff. 
we need to start doing some real things and real, you know. But you know, it, it's, it's, it gets me back to preaching, and I ain't trying to preach because no, it's you gotta talk. live it. Live it. Yeah, it's talk. You know, I didn't been through it. I didn't been through it on the celebrity side. I didn't been through it on the personal side. I didn't mm-hmm. been through it in my childhood. Everything ain't been peaches and cream being a celebrity. You know, that's a whole another story. But mm-hmm. it is. Well, thing. this is this is the perfect segue to go into that celebrity part of your life that you're li- that you're living. You've lived and you're living this part of your life. Mm-hmm. And I want to go into the reality show that you did with your wife, the Frankie and Nephi show. I want to know the background of that and how that happened for you both, how you met Nephi, and um, where are you going with that that show? Well, you know, reality TV, when I started, when we did it, was reality TV. (laughs) (laughs) It was reality TV, what you got, what you get. But you're shooting good to get. Mm-hmm. I I didn't I didn't know Nephi, no Keisha Cole. I didn't know Frankie. I, they weren't even celebrities like that when I met them. I think Keisha just 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 had the record come out. I changed your mind and whatnot. They moved to Atlanta. Never was no Keisha Cole fan. And a shout out to sis because I love her to life. That's my that's my sister. I love her. Um. I didn't know anything about this stuff. I'm a man. I'm, you know, I ain't think about no. I changed my mind and all that crap. You know, at the time. You know what I'm saying? So, Nephew and Frankie, they were just here. You know, they weren't on TV yet. And they shot the first season. And they shot the second season of the way it is. You know, in between that first and second season, that's when I met, really started dealing with. Nephew, I met her at a friend's house. She had a red bandana on, a couple kids running around, sitting in the chair, loud. And I was like, man, she remind me of this chick back home. That's here in Atlanta. She remind me of a Michigan chick. I might as well go and get with her. You know what I'm saying? That's how she had a man. You know, <laughs> you know, I got, you know, like I said, we look for what we used to. You get what I'm saying? Made you feel right at home. What's comfortable? Yeah, What's yeah. comfortable? Yeah. Atlanta was a little different, a little strange to me, you know. I, I had to, you know, find it, get her, get her. You know, she just popped up in my life. Willie God put us together. So we was friends for two years. She had a man or whatnot, and um, I, I watched them. Keisha started a couple years after that. Keisha really started blowing up, you know, and they started blowing up along with Keisha, you know. I knew Mama, which is a, she's a tad bit much for most mo- most communities, you know. But she's the most funnest person in the world. I love her. Um, and that's how me and nephew really got, you know, she left dude, went to jail or something. And we still kept in contact and went out a few times. And before you know it, man, I already liked her back then. It was kind of we was friends already. It was just one of them things, you know. We had an opportunity to go for it, and we've been together for like 14 years. Beautiful. You know? 14 Beautiful. years. So, so far. what are some of the things that you liked about reality TV? What you don't like about it? What you will do? What you won't do? At this point, you know, <laughs> I tell them all the time, I never liked reality <laughs> TV at all. 
I, that if you ever go back and watch any of the shows, I don't even say anything on purpose. On purpose, because, you know, I'm like, ah, another day, another TV show. I let let my, allow my wife to do her thing, allow them to do their thing, always stay in the background. People be like, oh, he around it for money. What money? They come from Oakland. What? No money. You know, <laughs> we don't want to get into that. You know, mm-hmm. so when people say that, you know, I, 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 I'm like, what are you talking? That thing ain't never had no money. Frankie ain't never had no money. And Keisha had money, and that was Keisha's money. That's right. If y'all can understand that without me going mm-hmm. into detail, you know? You know, and they, but they didn't understand the politics of this game. And more shows got shot. Managers started doing little things they shouldn't have been doing. Well, big things they shouldn't be doing. And, you know, it left Frankie and Nephi kind of out here sideways. But, I, you know, I was here with my wife for day one. I've been here with Frankie, day one. Love them. We all lived in hotels together. They they were living in a hotel when I met them. You know, so, it it it. it like I said, this whole thing about reality TV, it ain't been all that for me. It ain't been all that for Nessie. You know, it, it, it's it's edited they, the way they want you to see it and for ratings and and, and they changed the format. And, it, you know, it, it just was ugly. Shout Is out it to scripted? <laughs> no, Is it scripted? not over here. Okay. Not over here. It, it, the only way it's scripted to me is when we shoot, they take what they want and put it in situations that work for individuals that's in this situation. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, some people look like they're little, excuse me, sweetie, I'm on the phone. Some people in our situation look like charity cases and other people look like they're the caregivers. You know, so in truth, it wasn't true. So I, it, it offended me, so I never watched it because I know the truth. You know, a lot of people out there, no disrespect, and I ain't shoot nobody down. I ain't even that type of dude. I don't say no names. I don't snitch. None of that. What I'm saying is, you know, BT, BT, which is Viacom, mm-hmm. Viacom is with the white folks. They own it. And BET supposed to be with the black folks, and they own it. But <laughs> Viacom is BET, and whatever Viacom wants, Viacom is gonna get. Whatever they think works, that's what's gonna happen. Because it it wasn't like that in the beginning until we till they hit. So they they, they feeling like they know the format that what makes this whole the way it is. Frankie and Nephi and anything beyond that work because this will work. But there was never ever, if y'all ever paid attention to any show, there was never ever no elevation for certain people. They were stuck right there that they're crazy and they're not. Mm. They're they're not ratchet, they're not none of that stuff. You, you mm. it was an image B T left them folks with. You know, and, and shout out to B T. Shout out to Viacom. You know, mm. that that whole thing, it when he say was it scripted, 
whatever. They got the footage. We didn't edit that stuff. Because there's plenty of positive things we've done. Tons of it. But we always wonder why they never show that. Why 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 we not being shown like T.I. family? Why we not being shown in a positive light? Why is everything drama, 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 mm. drama, drama, yelling, screaming? Oh, but we went to the park or we went to horseback riding and we did this. How come the Kardashians get that and we don't? But that's hmm. a whole nother story. You dig? Yeah, we understand that. Truly, we understand that. Well, that is but definitely dispelling the myth. That is definitely dispelling the myth of what happens on a reality TV show because the perception for the viewer is that the cameras roll and we are getting real-time action, real-time walking with it. you as it happens. That's the perception. And the viewer believes it. And they believe yeah, everything absolutely. on there. It's the Holy Grail. They believe that more than the Bible. <laughs> Lord you know, and, and it, which is crazy. They do. They, they it, you listen. A person can go shoot a show and say, "I'm balling. I got all this. I got all that. Ain't got none of it." They, they, and they, and they, in the viewer's eyes, that's what that person has. That person getting that. That person is that person. And that person could be living in the cardboard box. Wow. True story. So, so what's next for Solo Dolo? What's what's up? What's on the horizons for you, your career, and your path? Honestly, brother James, you know, whatever the creator wants. I'm not gonna be one of them dudes. Come on, I'm gonna drop this album out. I'm gonna do this new show. No, 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 no. I operate just a little bit different. You know, whatever the creator wants. You know, I want everything to be organic and be, you know, for my people. To be organic and they and they know it's real coming from me because I'm I'm not gonna change who I am. You know I'm a, I'm a mature businessman. I'm a strong businessman, strong husband, great father. You know I don't always make the right decisions when it comes to my kids because they they use their little love against me. But I love them so much, so you know <laughs> I, I don't discipline them the same way. You no, we we and, like to hear stuff like this. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So. You know, what, what, what's next for me, man, wherever God leads me, bro? Uh, you know, I could be on the moon. We could have a number one show again, me and Nephew. Who knows? You know, my album could go double wood. You know, I'm joking. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. My album could go double wood or whatnot, you know. You know how people do. It's just but, whatever but you're God working on, You're working on your new album? Because I know you probably have a lot mm-hmm. of material. Are you ready to release There you go, James. You're trying, mm-hmm. to get, you're trying to get it out of me. I'm trying to keep it under wraps. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but Solo, but solo uh, we, we have and we're going to debut that single, Like Me, here on the Keys I, 107 I, I, tonight. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I just had that record. You weren't even supposed to have that record. No, we called uh, down at the East. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I ain't letting the world hit. No, you know what's crazy, though, James? In this act. You know, people, you know, I, to, I read everything. Like, everything that a person writes about our, our situation, I read it. I I'm, I just like to read, so I just read it. Some of it be funny. But the one thing that it, it happened about a year ago, I read a comment, a lady said, oh, he's probably going to be like that one dude that was on a reality show that ain't never bring out a record. And I said, mm-hmm. well, you know, first of all, lady, 
Solo don't buddy hustle off of Keisha Cole, man. Solo don't buddy hustle off of Nephew, man. Solo don't buddy hustle off of Mama Frankie, man. When everything dies down like it has, Solo does his own thing, and he needs it in his own way. I appreciate God for letting them be the vessel for me to be on TV, and I love those guys. But I'm a man. I've been taking care of my family for 13, 14 years, you know, without TV. Because we ain't got no, nothing out of it but pain. So, you know, I I don't need all that extra. I want to do it on, on my own with God. So the only person I can give glory to is the creator. And that's it. it. That's beautiful. It. That's beautiful. <clears throat> so I know we're, uh, we're nearing to that time of the show where we're about to conclude in all that we have uh, discussed. Is there anything that you would like to leave with the listening audience? You know, um, depart something on on their brain that they can carry with them when they hear the name Solo Dolo. What should they be thinking about at this point? Is when they hear the word Solo Dolo, it should be definitely should be lead by example. Mm. And I want all the listeners uh, I want all the listeners to lead by example That's the word of the day Don't sit up and talk about people That you just Who were sitting on your couch 10 minutes ago And they stared something or did something in life You know go to them and let them know You know calmly though God said if you feel wronged by a person Don't sit up and you know Talk about them Don't, don't develop hatred go, go confront them at that point And let them know I felt like you won't. And leave it at that. And, and you can walk away knowing good or, good or bad, everything's cool. Hmm. You know, people running around here holding grudges and acting crazy. It's just man, it's terrible. It is terrible. Everybody. Life is too short for that. Exactly. Um, Solo and James, just one moment. I, I forgot to announce earlier that all of the callers that are on the switchboard, you, you must press the number one on your keypad if you want to speak. If you're just calling in to listen, we welcome you. We appreciate you taking the time to be here with um, Solo. If you have something you want to say, just press the number one on the keypad. It seems like just like I said that, like all, all the numbers just went up. So are we going to hold off on debuting the song until... I would call her 917, ask this question or her question. Your mic is live, 917, check in. Hello? Caller 917, your mic is live. Um, the 917, are you seven. hearing me? Yes, yes you're live. Go for it. Oh, okay, I just called in, so I'm not aware of uh, what's the topic yet. Um, could someone brief me on... Um, just quickly on what's what we're talking about. I just let me rough Scott Rafika. Rough Scott, how are you, sir? Well, we are, are we're doing? we're talking to hip hop recording artist and reality uh, star Solo Dolo, who's been giving okay. us the backdrop of his life and. You got a lot of background noise in the back, rough Scott. Okay, let me get to a quieter place right now. Hold on one second. Hold on. Uh. <laughs> I hope you're not sleeping. Um, you know, like uh. you call in, like you know, 
If you want to talk to Solo, he's here. If not, you can just listen in. Uh, no. Uh, okay, I'm ready. Yeah, so, um, can you hear me better now? Yes. Yeah, you got a little, little static in your backdrop, but it's okay. Less noise. Oh, okay. Um, all right, Solo, um, what were, um, like I said, brief me on the topic, because I just got this message from Rafika. Okay, so, um, Ruff, Ruff, hold on, hold on for a moment. Hang on for one minute, and I'll be right back. Um, we're getting so close to the closing hour here, and I, Solo, with your permission, I would like to just go ahead and kick that song in. I think this is a good time for that. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. I think it. Are you ready? Turn up the bass. Taking this party to the next level. And Terry Drop that heat.
Exclusive, exclusive. You heard it first on the Keys 107. Wow. That is hot, brother. That is hot. You laid it down. You laid it down. That beat is like, you know, (laughs) I don't want to be in my car when I hear that. Yeah. (laughs) Man, man, oh, man. When you hear it, brother, what you feel like, Solo? What you feel like when you hear that? Solo, are you still there? Can y'all hear me? Can y'all hear me? Oh, I can hear you now. I hear you now. Okay, I said, you asked me that question. That's what you said, uh, how do I feel when I hear that record? I, I felt like y'all shouldn't have that record. Y'all done leak my record. You know what I mean? But it's all right. It's just for y'all. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, okay. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. To, to, um, to, to compensate, we won't play it again until you officially release it. Okay. I so this was Keys 107 special. <laughs> exclusive, exclusive. Listen to Jay You know we yeah. went we went into a lot of areas um, here with your life uh, um, solo, and I think that you was willing to share and go into areas I didn't know that you was a father at such a young age. And I just want to say, you know, you got my big black hat off to you for standing up and, and being present when at a time when you could have not been present and, you know, did, did what a lot of people do and you didn't do that. You stood up and you're proud of it. I can hear it in your voice. Oh man. I love kids. I love my kids, especially the life, you know, my, 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 my kids are all grown now, except for my daughter. So, you know, I I never had a childhood, so, you know, they had one. That's all they like. Yeah. Yeah. So we've already gave the um, closing sort of phrase that you would want to leave with people to think about. And we just want to say to you, Solo, that uh, hats off to your publicist, Kwashibu, for uh, connecting you with us, and we appreciate her and her efforts. And you have a home here whenever you like. I know there are so many topics that we touched on that really are shows unto themselves. And you and James can go into conversations about violence on the black man, violence on the young man, violence in the community, fatherhood, you know, and lack of fatherhood and effects of that. So we got a whole lot to cover. And as, as you was talking about that, um, I am your brother's keeper challenge. Um, so I was thinking yeah. of a, of a, of a man we had on our show. His name is, um, Joseph B. Washington. He has a movement going on called let average go. And James, I think that, uh, Joe Washington and solo would be a good connection to initiate that challenge and get started. Yeah, two powerful black men with the right frame of mind. You know, I believe that uh, we need to connect the dots. We got to be the dot connectors, put people together that can make things happen. But I would say to you also, uh, Solo Dolo, when I come down to Atlanta, and I will be coming, you know, we're going <laughs> to connect. We're going to connect. We're going to get out there in the streets. And I'm going to let you know I'm one of the 10,000 feelers, which is a movement that's going on throughout this country. And we're going to uh, we're gonna uh, meet break a little bread, go over to the headquarters of the 10,000 feelers and get out there in the streets and meet and greet our people, show them some love, you know what I mean, give them some some inspiration, you know, feed them some information, you know, and um, 
try to make our, our communities a better place to live, man. But with your music, I believe I've been around the hip hop uh, arena. I don't even think we even had this conversation, but I spent a good eight years in the hip hop community doing security, did over 250 music videos, you know, uh, uh, and I've been with the DMXs of the world, the Nas's, the, the, the Wu-Tang Clan, the LL Cool J, you know, all the way back to the public enemies. You have the talent. You have, you have what it takes to be successful, you know, and as long as you recognize that, you know, and as long as you keep forward and keep your eye on the prize, you're going to be just fine, my brother. He's going to be just fine. So I just want to commend you on the work that you're doing, and I appreciate you much. And I just want to say, fatherhood is everything. You know, fatherhood is everything. All right. And, and so, we uh, have... Um, you know what's crazy uh, In real time, I'm here at the hospital the whole time with my son right now. Mm. Oh. Mm. Is he all right? The whole time. He, he, when he, before the interview started. Before the interview started, his nose just started bleeding out of nowhere. And I think not. Well, our prayers to be with him, my brother, you know, and we're not going to hold you much longer on um, the line. Dave, so before, before we close, um, Russ Scott wanted to just say something to Solo, and he got a little cut off. I had to go to another topic, but um, Russ, go ahead. Uh, yes, Solo. Uh, blessings, brother. I just wanted to say stay strong, you know, and um, you you always have support when it comes down to um, when a man stands up and do what he has to do for his family and also as an artist and everything. So, you know, just stay strong in the struggle, you know. Um, keep doing what you're doing. And enough blessings to you and the family, you know. Okay. Russ Scott, thank you for tuning in to the Keys 107 uh, Network. And as all of our listeners know, when they hear that sound, it is almost time to close up. And I'd like to thank our listeners for taking a moment of their valuable time to tune in to the Keys 107 Network. I am Rafika. And I am Brother James, yes. <laughs> yes. May God bless you. Love, peace, and happiness. And, and tune we'll in to the all of our shows are archived on the iTunes and in blogtalkradio.com slash thekeys107. Our website is being redesigned, and we are so excited to just be in that moment of redesign. Logos being redesigned. Website, we're going to come out stronger. Thank you all for listening. We've acquired over 250,000 listeners over time that we've been broadcasting in the last three years, going on four years, right, Brother James? Four years. Yes, soon to be four years. Yeah. And if you want to send us a a show suggestion, email us at suggestions at thekeys107network.com. Like our Facebook page, join our group. Good night. Good night, all. Peace, love, and happiness. You're listening to The Keys 107. Opening the doors to endless possibilities.
in the pursuit of love, peace, and happiness with your host, Rafika and Brother James.